We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by Nick Delano. And today we got a little special show for you. We're going to take a little break from the breakdowns of training camp, even though, again, I hope you enjoyed our, our podcast from earlier this week when we broke down the first patented practice. We we expect to do a lot more of those. It's it's getting exciting. It's almost time. We're almost there. We're getting very, very close, even though we won't have the preseason to evaluate this team. But today we're going to take a little break from that because we got a special guest on the show, and he's a former NFL scout, currently writing for the Detroit Lions for Sports Illustrated. Really exciting guy. Sent me over his work before we got on here and i was just reading through this stuff and i was just flabbergasted detailed detail oriented he was his evaluations of the giants and of some big free agent signings that the giants made that will be a big part of this roster in 2020 beyond so without further ado i wanted to welcome to the show daniel kelly tell us a little bit about your background daniel and scouting kind of where you're at right now Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dan and Nick, for having me on your show. It's 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 been an amazing journey that uh, 
to try to unpack. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, a uh, fanatical fan of the Washington Redskins football team uh, and, and grew to love the team. And I really wanted to get in the football somehow. And, and I wasn't quite sure how. I never got big enough really to play. Uh, I, I, my parents let me play my junior season in high school, and I was I was so bad at it that I actually was the only kid on my team not to earn a letter jacket. <laughs> so it was uh, I was I played mostly left bench, but I, I kind of dabbled a little bit in the coaching side of it. I, 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 I made and designed a play that set up to Joe Gibbs. We had coached the Redskins. Uh, that play actually worked for a touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons in the preseason game in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He sent me a letter that's in my book, whatever it takes, uh, from Coach Gibbs. But I kind of dabbled in coaching. But but for my 17th birthday, my parents gave me a book called Secrets of an NFL Scout written by Tony Rotano. And um, I couldn't put it down. I said, this is it. I want to be an NFL scout. And I knew from that moment that that's what I was going to be and that's what I wanted to be. And uh, so I started, uh, you know, just like taping a bunch of games off TV, writing reports and uh, sent them off to uh, then Redskins general manager, Charlie Castle, who responded his letters from my book to whatever it takes, uh, you know, saying, hey, you're still too young. Check back after your first uh, no, year or second year of college. Well, I barely passed through high school. I was so focused on, on football and I failed off a small community college. Found myself at 21 years old working in Allstate Insurance as an insurance agent. Uh, there was like a sports radio show on that said, hey, first 32 callers go in. Uh, you can come in the Minnesota Vikings mock draft, uh, bring a friend. And so I, I had an open phone line. So I, I started dialing like a crazy, crazy man. And I got through and they said, hey, congratulations. You go represent the Jacksonville Jaguars in our mock draft on the radio. Uh, bring a friend. And, and so I did. And I walked into the Vikings facility in, in, in Eden Prairie, Minnesota at the time. And uh, that's back when they were there. And, um, I, you know, I walked up to the microphone, scared to death. And, you know, just like the NFL commission, they said, and with the uh, second pick in the 1995 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. And I leaned at the microphone and said, Tony Bosselli, offensive tackle USC. You know, the corner of my eye, I, I saw Tony Dungy, uh, then the defensive coordinator in the Minnesota Vikings, sitting in the corner all by himself. So I approached him. You know, I, it, it's, uh, I went for it, I guess you could say. And I walked up to him and said, hey, Coach Dungy, would you be willing to take a look at some of my reports? Uh, he says, hey, after a few minutes reviewing me, he said, this stuff is pretty good. He said, how would you feel about coming to my office next week? We sit down and talk. So I did. And that turned into be a six-month unpaid internship with Tony Dungy when he was working under Denny Green with the Minnesota Vikings. And then he left for Tampa Bay as a head coach. And I went back into the real world uh, selling curb vacuum cleaners and bouncing around different jobs until I was 24 and found myself working at Bank American Mortgage as a loan officer. And I had just one of these moments, guys, where – and I'm not sure maybe some of our listeners can identify with this too, but I was sitting in this real estate meeting and, and it was kind of going through emotions and like, what am I doing here? You know, that kind of a moment that I said, you know, my, my dream is to be an NFL scout and it's hard to go for it and not get it. The wonder what I always, you know, could have been, you know, was my thought process. And, and so I, uh, I started, uh, I stopped the target that night, uh, bought some pens and paper. Uh, it's called DirecTV, subscribe to their uh, college football package. I had a little bit of those little satellite dishes, and I started recording games. And that turned into be a seven-month project uh, that resulted in me uh, self-publishing a 350-page 1998 NFL draft report. Uh, paid every dollar I had to my name. It was $2,300, which was every every dime. I don't think I even paid rent them off my landlord, and they put it off for a month. And uh, I um, personalized every book as, as my resume, quote-unquote resume. Uh, to every head coach, general manager, and director of player personnel in the NFL, no guarantees. I uh, got a $1,300 credit account on top of it with Airborne Express at the time. 
uh, and I sent these out uh, personalized. It was about eight to ten pounds per box with my book in there and, and my my um, information. And I sent it out to all 32 teams in the NFL. Uh, you know, again, no guarantees. Sat back and waited to see who would respond. The first team that called was the New England Saints. Uh, Mike Dick really liked my book at the time. Uh, that fell through, and then the call came from the New York Jets. And uh, that's how I ended up in pro scouting with the Jets for four seasons. It's awesome, Daniel. I think there's a lot in your story that a lot of us can relate to, myself included. I mean, first of all, I myself was a member of the left bench when it came to when it came to football. Early on in my career, I wanted to be a quarterback. I thought of myself as a quarterback, even to the extent of changing my AIM username uh, when I was back in elementary and middle school to QB Dan Seven. That never worked out, even after changing the screen name to QB Dan Seven Seven after losing the password for the original one. But more importantly, actually. <laughs> I had the moment of clarity when I was working my first job out of college and I had pursued a career at first in advertising and uh, media, that side of journalism and that side of, I mean, I went to journalism school, but I went for that side because I was always told, don't pursue your dream to be a sports writer. There's no money in it. It's a dying industry. What are you crazy? And I had that (laughs) moment when I was commuting on one grueling day to New York City and the bus was uh, backed up and it was an hour and 45 minutes to the city and I was like I can't stand to do another day of this and I started writing a blog reached out to uh, Chris Wessling who at the time was with Rotoworld told him I'd work the Twitter account there for free and you know one thing leads to another and you find yourself in in these places with these opportunities and you just work your butt off and try to build on them and I think that's pretty much exactly what you did you found your little niche, you found your opportunities, albeit big or small, and you worked your butt off and you got some, and you got places because of that. So I think all of that is really awesome. And, and I'm really glad that you've had these experiences. And obviously I think there's going to be more for the, more for you in the future. And, and until then though, we're glad we can get you on because we can talk a little Giants football with you because we know based on what you sent me, this comprehensive scouting report of the Giants from 2019 season uh, based on the work that you prepared for, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this. Am I allowed to say this? Absolutely. Okay. Based on the work that you prepared for Bruce Allen for the uh, of the Washington Redskins, kind of preparing him for what he might see when the Redskins took on the Giants. I believe this was for the second game of the season after they met first time earlier in the season. Um, and this is just an unbelievably comprehensive report. And then you also shared with us your scouting report to some of the Giants' big free agent signings. So let's first start with the Giants team. And one thing that stood out to me first was your t- was was one of the points you made early on, which was that you felt that this team really was lacking a number one wide receiver um, on the field. And, and that was last season. Obviously, this offseason, they didn't do much in the way of adding a big number one wide receiver. They're moving offenses. We expect a Coriel-based attack with Jason Garrett, which means more vertical, more, more of a vertical passing game. You also noted within your report that the Giants really were a very conservative offensive attack from the passing game, a lot of short intermediate stuff. So my question for you is, based on what they did in the offseason, based on what you see on this roster, can they move the ball consistently in the passing game in a vertical-based offense as we expect them to move to with what they have at the, at the wide receiver? Absolutely. Great question. Great story, too, Dan. I appreciate listening to your story. And um, you know, I, I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. Uh, to me, he was, uh, he looked, the big thing that stuck out to me was that he looked like a veteran as a rookie. That is a great sign uh, for, for an offense, uh, for, for having a young quarterback like that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I, I do think they have some, some talent. They're not great at receiver. 
uh, but they're good. I developed a color-coded grading system. Uh, I gave, um, it looks like I gave uh, Slayton, uh, Tate, and also uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, I gave them good grades. Uh, so I think they have the ability uh, to, uh, Jason Garrett coming in, I think he understands the offense very well. You mentioned more of a, a, a Coriel attack. Um, you know, I think that when you have Barkley in the backfield, it always opens up the option of play action. More. Uh, so I think there's going to be some opportunity there uh, for them to move the ball downfield uh, from everything that, you know, that the moves they made during the offseason combined with the talent on the roster. I just don't think the last regime really got, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like a grapefruit. I, I don't think they squeezed, uh, <laughs> squeezed them as much as they could as far as the talent is concerned, uh, because when I look at the Giants offense, uh, you know, most of my guys are graded uh, for the Giants starting offense last year is either uh, you know, good or, or blue chip guys. There's a couple blue chippers in there with with Will Hernandez and, and Barkley. Uh, so I, I think they definitely can move the ball downfield. I think Jason Garrett's going to probably be a little bit more aggressive in that area. And I think we're going to see a little bit different uh, outcome this year as far as the Giants offense is concerned. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I think that when you look at this team, if there is reason for optimism, it's going to be the steps forward that this offense makes. In my in my mind, in Nick's mind, they're still a little bit ways away on defense, especially after losing really two of their projected starting outside corners. I mean, DeAndre Baker was a lock to be their number one this or their number two, obviously after Bradbury. But and you even mentioned it in your report, which I want to get to in a little bit later. But you said he really came on at the end of the season. You charted it, and you also broke it down. But that was something me and Nick saw that a lot of Giants fans disagreed with. A lot of the media didn't really cut on board with. But DeAndre Baker showed serious signs of strides down the stretch. Now, obviously, that's out the window. Sam Beal opted out. So we think that if this team is going to make that step forward, it will happen on the offensive side of the ball. And I did notice that you really didn't have many average or below average grades there on the offensive side of the ball. So one thing that I wanted to ask you with regards to the offensive side of the ball is this. We, from from Nick and I's evaluation, we thought that Will Hernandez would be a better fit in an offensive system like the one we project in 2020, where they're using more power and gap uh, from their run blocking scheme. You already feel like he's already accomplished as a blue chip player, we're, we're a little bit more on the, we see the promise, but we want more consistency there. Do you feel that this transition is going to be, take probably, he'll kind of stand out as one of the best players in this uh, offensive transition? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Dan, Nick. I, I think he will definitely stand out. I mean, he is, he is in my mind, uh, he's everything you want um, in an offensive lineman at that position, at the left guard position. Uh, he's he's somebody that uh, just really really played well. Uh, you know, I thought he played well coming out of college even, and I think that uh, he'll continue. I mean, kind of you know, like I talked about. You know, he's a big, stocky, thick, heavy, massive wide blocker with brute strength, aggressiveness, above average athletic ability. So when you have that going for you, uh, you can move laterally. You can get out a you, you you have that just a brute power. Uh, you know, I think he'll definitely fit into that uh, new philosophy they're running on offense. I think he'll really excel in this system. Dan and I both uh, believe Will Hernandez can definitely reach that blue chip potential. It's just last year being surrounded by John Jalapio and Nate Solder kind of was a hindrance to him. I did a piece on Big Blue View for that. Did you pick up on those same kind of things? Like every time that Hernandez looked like he made a mistake, it was actually because her or actually because Solder and Jalapio just kind of were not on the same page. And it just seemed like the offensive line itself never was cohesive, despite the fact that they didn't really have a lot of injuries throughout the year. Did you see that as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, for, I mean, from like a coaching standpoint, Nick, they just, just seem kind of be out of sync, you mean? 
Yes, yeah, from what yeah. uh, coaching communication standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. I, I, I completely agree. So I, I think there was definitely uh, just a lot of breakdowns in communication with, with the previous coaching regime there and uh, with the staff, some, uh, you know, some, some lack of continuity with, with Manning and Jones kind of talking at times back and forth, uh, you know, with the injuries and stuff. And, and so, yeah, I, I definitely thought there was some communication problems there and uh, it made him maybe, you know, look a little bit worse at times. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, I want to flip it to the defensive side of the ball for a second, Daniel, and ask you a couple questions there. But first, I did want to say this before before I bury the lead. I thought you brought up an interesting point about Daniel Jones that isn't often discussed and is very often overlooked. The fact that he really did look and feel like a veteran as a rookie. And I think that type of that type of thing gets overlooked a bit. You know, when you when you get bogged down by some of these advanced numbers and just, you know, the total turnovers, things like that it kind of loses the fact that this guy came right in week three with very limited practice time and led the offense and really did have a feel of a guy who can make big plays in big moments and who could drive the ball down the field also at times with anticipation, with touch. So I think it will be interesting to see if our evaluation, our three evaluation of this offense ends up bearing fruit this this early, because obviously there are going to be changes. They have, they're going to have a new left tackle, a new right tackle, potentially a new center as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I want to flip it to the defensive side of the ball for a second. I want to ask you about something you said. You said last season, and, and I quote, Marcus Golden is the best and most consistent force on the defense. He's a very opp- opportunistic player, rushing the passer and in runs. He's a player who's growing on growing me more and more. The more I watch him, and he has enough production while grading to take him very seriously. On the edge. So you're very high on Marcus Golden. We feel like this was a very sad move by Dave Edelman to bring him back and get him in the mix. Can you break down a little bit uh, of your evaluation on Golden and what kind of player you think? Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. I, I, I like him, like like you said, Dan. Uh, he is somebody that really, really grew on me uh, the more I did watch him. Uh, he seemed to be someone who was very opportunistic. And that was something that's very key to me because you want guys to make big plays and big moments and seize the moments. And to me, he seemed to seem like he, he can create some breaks, like I said, a report on his own. I, I felt he, he he really excelled at finding a way to get to the quarterback or at least create some kind of a pressure, um, you know, flash the ability to bull rush a little bit, um, a little bit tight, a little bit rigid. So he's not going to be a guy that's be explosive at the point of attack, but a guy that, you know, he'll keep, he'll keep, and um, he's a, he was a constant source of pressure, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, he, he kept bringing it, he kept trying, um, you know, he, he had some, you know, he definitely wanted it. And I think that's a big thing you want to look for because so many of these guys in the NFL and these different uniforms and different helmets, you know, they, the, the want is not always there. Uh, want is a very big thing. It's a very big key characteristic uh, that, that I look for. And I just think, you know, I, I just, like I said, the more I watch them, the more I kind of warmed up to them. Um, you know, I, I thought, like I said, I think he's the best player in the Giants' defense, and, and he's a guy that you can win with. Um, and uh, that, that's the key. I, I really um, I like him. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun, 
percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic by the way. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover body bomb for targeted relief and sleep aid. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire, all one word. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Other guys that you could possibly win with on the defense, somebody that I've been toting up, and I know you also think he's a good player, is Leonard Williams. Do you think he could possibly unlock his 2016 stats, <laughs> bring those kind of uh, back, getting six to eight sacks, possibly providing interior pressure and actually finish, uh, finishing the play? Do you think that's a part of his arsenal this year heading into Patrick Graham's defense? It's possible. It's very possible. He still has a lot of that ability in him. I think he just kind of got bogged down by things that were happening uh, with his last team. Uh, he's definitely, uh, you know, he can be a handful, of, you know, Nick at times. Uh, you know, like I said in my report, he's someone that, you know, showed a good effort in motor. He keeps coming. Uh, he definitely, you know, he understands the game as, as a veteran. He understands what to do and, and how to create pressure and stuff. So, you know, I, I thought it was a huge mistake, uh, you know, of his past team to let him, you know, let him get away. I think he's somebody that can really uh, turn it up and quite possibly get back to that form. Usually when a guy hasn't had it can be a little bit tougher, but I think that they put him in the right situations. And, um, you know, I think it's very possible. He definitely still has, uh, I mean, I gave him a green grade with good in my report. He's definitely somebody that you can win with, someone you can depend on. And he's a quarterback. I think we're going to see a pretty good season on him if I had to guess. I like how you said that he has an old school feel to him. It's something that I kind of can see too, but man, I just love his size and the energy that he can bring from the interior. What about Dalvin Thomas? Both of these players are heading into a contract year. Do you think it's capable that maybe the Giants could possibly retain both these players? And do you see the upside that Dalvin Thomas brings like I do? And I've been preaching for a couple of years now because I'm in love with that player. Well, what have you seen in him so far? Just out of curiosity, I, I, I'm interested. I see a player who's really disruptive against the run. It really kind of demands double teams. It's very hard for 
guards to kind of scoop block him or get in front of him and just kind of isolate block them one-on-one. I feel like he kind of commands double teams and he actually has for a guy of his size, a solid first step against the past. I mean, he's not as equipped for that because he is a bigger guy, but just he's dominant uh, facing the run. That's what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nick. I, I agree with you. I, I really liked him a lot. I do think it's possible to retain both of them. I think it's important they try to retain both of them. Uh, because uh, they're, they're both guys that can play at a, at a high level, and if you can win with them. Uh, I like Tomlinson a, a lot. Uh, I thought he was pretty active. Uh, he was a gap shooter, showed good strength, playing speed, had some, some good size to him. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, has some big play capability, uh, seven tackles for a loss. And anytime you start seeing guys have a lot of tackles, you're tackles for a loss, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, I, I felt like he was just a little bit under the dominant uh, threshold. He was kind of a dominant guy all the time, but he, he's, like I said, sure good enough to win with. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that uh, I, I like just, just like you're saying, Nick. And I, I think, you know, both those guys together would be, uh, would be real solid for some time to come. Something I found really interesting about your report, Daniel, because it's something that obviously Nick and I have discussed countless times on this podcast, is that you believed, based on your report, that the inside linebacker play with Ogletree and Mayo was below average against the run. And that's how me and Nick felt. And we felt like, and this will lead into some of your evaluations that we have, that we want to dive into about the big free agent signings. But we felt like, although the Blake Martinez signing by the Giants in free agency was not exactly so well well received by the fan base, because there are some clips of him, you know, in coverage where, you know, people are like, what's going on here? Is he a complete linebacker? Why are they signing him? What he does do really well, and you can touch on this more because you wrote it up in your report, is fill in the run game. And it's so it's taken for granted by so many fans just how important it is to have inside backers who are not below average against the run like the Giants had last season. Because the Giants, even albeit with a very dominant, not dominant, but very close to dominant defensive line in that second half of the season when Leonard Williams got in there, that interior defensive line, they were still below average against the run a lot of the time against the Cowboys that stood out and a few other teams and a lot of the reason in our inside line tell us a little bit about how Blake Martinez kind of been. But absolutely uh, uh Dan Blake Martinez is a guy that I watched uh you know with with the Packers uh, last year I did a whole team report on them as well um in my edition for the Redskins and and, and I really liked um, he, he reminded me, if you remember the uh, uh, Derek Smith, the old uh, Redskin 49er uh, linebacker uh, years ago, uh, he's, he's a guy that uh, to me, I mean, I think at the time he, he uh, led the uh, league with tackles at 118. He was, he was uh, as I said in my report, he was an absolute tackling machine. He was active, productive against run. Uh, he wasn't overpowering, but he's athletic enough and has enough playing strength uh, to consistently kind of get in there, clean, fill the holes, good instincts. Uh, can read and diagnose inside. That's a big part of playing inside is be able to, you know, read and, and, and be able to shed blocks or kind of read and see what's going on and instincts to get to the right. Because a lot of these linebackers, a lot of times, some of them, I should say, you know, they don't have the, the you know, they don't have the instincts for it. They're, they're on the wrong lane or they're a little bit out of the way or something. Well, that, that's not the case with Martinez. I, I think Martinez was a very good signing. Uh, in fact, I, I recommended him to Bruce Allen to bring in had he stayed there with the Redskins. Uh, he's a guy that I liked as a free agent quite a bit. Um, and he's a guy that, um, you know, he could, he could also stay pretty close on coverages if you want to drop him in the coverage, much like much like Derek Smith uh, used to do the old linebacker I alluded to. Uh, he showed good range. He can get the sideline, the sideline, and uh, he can cover running back screens. And he's a solid tackler. You know, that, that's not always a thing these days either. A lot of guys are hitters, and, and this guy's a solid tackler. 
So I think he brings a presence. He comes from a, from a pretty, pretty big program in Green Bay. Uh, he's, he's a solid traditional type of linebacker. He's not a blow-up linebacker. It's going to blow people up physically. But he's a guy that, that that's you know, pretty athletic and, and understands the position, understands how to tackle people and wraps. And he's a huge upgrade to me. He brings just a totally different game inside for the Giants, I think, than we've seen last year for sure, to your point. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Daniel. I want to ask you about another player, a versatile player, Julian Love. Now, he played boundary corner out there at Notre Dame, and last year he was in a more of a safety role. But you noted in your scouting report how effective he was in the box, and it's something that Dan and I have gone back and forth on. But given the dearth of talent at outside corner right now, do you think it's possible that he could maybe transition back with a new coaching staff and possibly play a little boundary corner despite not doing it in the NFL yet? Yeah, it's very possible. I, I like Julian Love. I, I like him. Um, I, I think he's somebody that um, you know he will he will come down to the box um, and and uh, he'll 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 stick his nose in there as well. He's a solid tackler. He's got some playmaking ability to him. So I think it's very possible that he could do that. Uh, he's a good little football player. You know, five eleven, one ninety five. Uh, you know he can, he can you know he can you know turn on the, the speed a little bit. Uh, he can cover. Uh, you know he can get some. He can make up some ground. Uh, you know I, I think he, he showed a little bit of a playmaker. I, I, I Billy, I, I thought he was a promising player. So I think it is very possible. You get a guy that's talented like that that you can win with. That that's a above average player. Uh, if he's well coached, I think it's very possible, uh, Nick, that he, he could possibly do that and and uh, have success doing it. Tell me a little bit, Daniel, about your opinion or your uh, you know from your analysis, your report on James. James Bradbury, because I think at this point, given what's gone on at that boundary cornerback position for the Giants, they're counting on a lot from Bradbury. They're going to count on him to man, to play man coverage early and often, a lot in these one by three sets where he's alone on the boundary. In your opinion, is this a number one cornerback who can hold up in a man heavy defense that's going to be blitz heavy as well? Um, and it's going to put him alone a lot on an island. I, 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 I do. I, I liked him. I liked him a lot, Dan. I, I thought, uh, you know, with Carolina, you know, just kind of looking at my report on him for a second, uh, you know, I showed, you know, he showed pretty good playing speed, technique, agility, ball skills. Uh, those are all required. Uh, I, I think he can be a, a top corner uh, for the Giants. Uh, you know, he showed pretty good ability to, to you know, pedal and uh, be able to, uh, you know, flip his hips, turn and run. Um, you know, he showed some physicality as well, uh, you know, battle some, some of the receivers off the release. Uh, he looked like a guy that can hold his own, uh, you know, so he could, he could provide some tight coverage on pure straight line, deeper vertical routes. He could match routes. Uh, he didn't get the, you know, didn't get blown away by anybody that I saw, uh, you know, he, and on underneath routes, he showed ability to stay reasonably close. I put at, at the break point, uh, which is critically important because when you get a guy that has, I mean, the, the hips are a big part of that cornerback position. So when you get a guy that has some fluidity to his hips, it can turn and he can change direction. That's vitally important. You know, you get some of these corners out there that, you know, kind of they're a little bit tight and, and, and rigid in the hips. They can't change as quick as direction. You get these receivers with these quick tendon ends and these quick, you know, tendon outs and, and he's and he, he's a guy that can match some of those routes because he's got good hips, uh, which is uh, which is something that's very valuable at the cornerback position. Uh, you know, he showed the ability to defend passes. Uh, he had some playmaking ability to him, I, I thought. And and uh, you know, and, and and the only thing that was was uh, he had an average looking close back if he got beat a little bit. Uh, he didn't look, you know, he lacked a short area burst, but but uh, he also could do some things. He could back the quarterback off the edge. Uh, and, and he was also willing to, to play some more support. 
So I think he's an overall well-rounded corner. And I think the Giants fans should be excited about this guy uh, because I think he's going to be able to hold his own with that position. Well, Daniel, that's really exciting to hear. Now I want to transition a little bit back to the offensive line, a really interesting player who just got a little bit of an extension, and that's Nick Gates. Now I saw you noted something that I picked up in my film analysis as well is that he finds himself on the ground now I think that a little bit too much and I think I saw that a little bit more often when he was playing inside the interior of offensive line like he did against the Miami Dolphins I have talked about on this podcast how he struggled against somebody of Christian Wilkins uh, ilk because of the strength of the point of attack that Wilkins possesses so there's a lot of talk around Gates and possibly transitioning to the center position do you think that's possible if he does add a little bit of strength it seems like he's a really talented player, seems like he has really good footwork. Do you think that's something that's in his arsenal? I think it's very possible. I mean, he, he's, again, a, a good football player overall. I, I think that, you know, he's got really good size at, at 6'6", 318. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, he would be a big-bodied guy inside uh, that, that can, you know, add some physicality to that position. He can anchor down when, he, when he's challenged, uh, uses his hands to battle and holds up well at the point. Uh, good use of hands. You know, anytime you've got a good use of hands, that's, that's a great sign at that position. Uh, you know, I just felt like uh, he had a solid anchor when he was challenged with bull rushes. That That's equally important because obviously when big guys, you know, just try to bull, bull up and bull rush, uh, you know, so he can kind of hold down the anchor at that, that position possibly if, he's, if he, you know, does that. Uh, but he has some aggressiveness to his game. Uh, you know, like, like to your point, Nick, he did end up on the ground a little too much. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, he's more of a mauler uh, in that sense. I put him in my report. And, but he had a couple of people out too. So I think he's a guy that uh, definitely uh, I would like to see him. I mean, if I was running a team, I, I, would, I would plug him in there during camp. I, I would like to see him actually get a shot at that position because, you know, I think he's got the ability. Um, and I, I would be very interested to see how he, he's, uh, you know, if he's productive or not in that position. Uh, that's an interesting point. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, it should be interesting. Nearly six foot Five and, and as Mark Colombo described in Giants Offensive Line Coach, has that alpha male uh, mindset when he, when he steps mm. in the huddle. So really interesting. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's episode of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. We really enjoyed this conversation, and we're looking forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Before uh, we let you go, why don't you tell the listeners tonight where they can find your work? And if you're on Twitter and active there, please tell them where they can find you there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Dan, Nick, for the opportunity to be on the show. It's been a lot of fun for me tonight. Uh, a real privilege to be on the show with you, so thank you. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Daniel Kelly Book. Uh, I'm on online, uh, writing again for Sports Illustrated, Detroit Lions. Uh, I, I do some some writing as well for Riggles Rag, as well as Touchdown Europe. Um, I've written my book, Whatever It Takes, uh, whateverittakesbook.com. It's available anywhere books are sold online. So if you type in Daniel Kelly, New York Jets, Daniel Kelly NFL, uh, you'll see a few pages come up, uh, a, lot, a lot of different things I've had an opportunity and privilege to contribute through the years. And uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just about everywhere. <laughs> Six different awesome. countries in the, last, in the last month. So on a different podcast. And so, yeah, it's been it's been uh, very cool to talk football for sure. And thank you again, guys, for the opportunity to be on your show. It sounds great, Daniel. Hey, thanks so much for the insight on the uh, team that we all love so much, the New York Giants. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time 
NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 